0: This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne.
1: Truly independent community radio. You seem to have changed.
2: There's no news. Like bad news. Would you mind identifying what you are? Rides.
3: And welcome to Triple R's Bite Into It. We'd love to say thank you to Sarah for the last three hours of Test Pattern. Tonight you're going to be joined by Laura Summers, James Noble, and I'm Vanessa Taholka. Coming up this evening, we are going to be chatting to Chris Burgess. He's a bit of a man around the development uh, scene in Melbourne, and he's from a company called Clickify, so you might know him from that. If
1: you see his reflection in the window behind you
3: know me? Mean? Yeah, and we'll also be hearing the next instalment of Laura's amazing interviews from Web Directions um, a little while ago in Sydney. So do stay tuned for that a little bit later in the show. But before we get to that, James, Laura, what have we got in news this week?
1: I think you should roll up this one first because you, uh, you you did you did find this one, but might might too quiet, might not turn on.
3: <laughs> no, you, you're turned on. Sorry, yeah. you, you need to speak into your mic more. Oh, <laughs>
1: Please. I thought it was turned on. Well, um, yeah, the uh, New South Wales government about proposing digital driver's licences for smart smartphones. for smartphones.
3: <laughs> what are we smoting them with? <laughs>
1: um, well, I think I started reading this up today from I think did you put it
3: on, Ness? Yeah, I did.
1: Yeah, I think it's quite an interesting idea. I mean at the fu- I instantly my first thought was what about the people that don't have smartphones? Um it's gonna be a slow transition. You're kinda of forcing people into purchasing technology, but I think it's quite a good idea. We got we we've, it's one of the things we've always got on our in our in our um not on a, our on a person pretty much 24 hours a day almost so it's quite an obvious choice for putting things on there for that kind of thing i mean i think um i use you quite often use um the now of apple pay something to pour, pour into, into australia as well you quite often have a lot of your information on there and even things like mikey would be a very nice and helpful thing too wouldn't it
2: well, the, um, I believe the New South Wales government is looking at doing this at an opt-in basis, so it wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily be like you're forced to purchase a smartphone if you don't want to. Um, but certainly, I think um, digitising some of these products and having fewer plastic cards in your yep. wallet and producing less plastic in general seems like an excellent idea to me.
3: Like, why not? So amazingly, uh, they came out with this campaign from the Minister for Finance and Services, uh, Dominic perottet who's like the New South Wales minister, and he said that there's over 200 uh, over 123 types of licenses that cost tens of millions of dollars in printing.
1: Mm.
3: Amazing. Mm. Mm. I'm, I'm all so for that. So this is, is just that. the start.
1: As you know, I'm all for the uh, getting rid of plastic and mm. better things for the environment. But I didn't realize that what I, I was into conspiracy theories until I started to think about the, what could happen once you have no everything is digitized and easily controlled uh, and mm-hmm. I started I'm like man am I, am I, am I getting old which I am mm-hmm. or um, there's, maybe there's some validity in it I don't know
2: well is it one central database like is that every license and everything that identifies you as a human stored in <laughs> one server somewhere it can be
1: switched off and you can <laughs> that be can, erased yeah.
2: yeah exactly I've
1: watched too many sci-fi do you guys so...
2: remember the net with Sandra Bullock and they, they go in and they <laughs> erase all her information and all of a sudden like she doesn't exist anymore and like it's the scary people on the other side of the internet.
3: <laughs> that's a good gambit. They always try to erase your identity. That's a hacker's mm, one as well.
2: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm.
3: I don't know. I, I don't think, know. I think I, we yeah. could be for it. As oh, I was gonna the keep going to get going. I hacked.
1: I'll start talking about like Monero report and, <laughs> yeah.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh so what else has popped up that's um that's interesting you guys this week?
2: Well, look, I'm just really excited that um, the Microsoft dudes have s- just released a statement saying they're going to stop supporting old versions of IE starting <laughs> January 12, 2016. Oh yeah, and like seriously, there's a party going on in here right now. I'm so <laughs> excited about this. Um, I mean, I think everyone who's in digital services needs to sort of support what the community supports, but if the people providing the software are saying we're not supporting it, that's a very strong argument, and and it's not not just like the increment up that we've been getting this like, oh, you know, okay, we can support, we can no longer support IE8 and back. Now it's like, okay, you're on the latest or else you're out, which I think is freaking awesome.
1: It's going to get difficult for, I know a lot of um, I say it's clients that have had in the past and current clients that are on old network systems, sort of like SAP mm. and things like that, where oh, they have yeah. to have old yeah, old versions of IE—they're going to start to struggle quite quickly. It means that, and it, uh, the ramifications of things like this is is millions of dollars in upgrades across
3: mm. and not offices. just SAP. I mean, um, SharePoint platforms—if you haven't moved onto um, Lotus Notes, if, yeah. you have, if you haven't moved past Moss, absolutely. Mm. Oh my goodness, you
1: know, that's a big undertaking, and someone's going to pay for it, right? Mm.
3: So well, IT mm. contractors should be happy on two fronts. There, yeah. um,
1: I think. I mean, I'm so glad when IE6 was kind of killed. There was a, there was a small um, victory for us to not have to say, well, it's yeah, it's yeah, it doesn't do that in your browser, mm-hmm. and then we use the word gracefully decline <laughs> <laughs> user experience. <laughs> That was
2: reminding me of graceful aging. Like you have to just fade into the distance gracefully, quietly,
1: quietly. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, but
3: don't try too hard to support those. It's not worth the effort. Mm, Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, this uh, sort of leads me into another one that I uh, the um, the geeks um, told me about today was uh, that WordPress uh, has got a new new face and joins the JavaScript age. Oh yeah. So. Um, this is brilliant in the way that it's now a, sort of... A, a, I haven't read the full article, I will admit. It's more about um, having a, a local um, application to be able to then edit and manipulate your site or build it. Um, what, what it doesn't say in the wide and bits and pieces here is that because it is now going to be, I think, using React, is that right? It's React and... Yeah, um,
2: React and Node.js.
1: And, and Node.js, uh, that um, PHP is no longer required. Yep. Um, now, I did put a quick note in there that I, one of the uh, uh, one of my colleagues, Jay, mentioned today that one-third of the world's websites are made in WordPress. Um, that's a lot of PHP developers that will no longer be required. Um, and, well, Chris,
3: who we're going to be... I think
1: that it said it's time to learn something new. I think it was
3: Yeah. Like, Chris, mm. who we're going to be chatting to in a moment, has a lot of expertise in WordPress, so we'll have to get mm. his comment on this. Yeah.
1: Mm. So, I mean, I was kind of... We've been working with Node and, and React of late, and it's been really good, but it's a bit of a learning curve at the start so it's uh, interesting to see what happens there and how they do it it's a bold move by them as well if if you have to upgrade or you have to stay at that and then they no longer support it
2: <laughs> and there's also the question i think right now it's been developed by like a private corp and then the question is does that get integrated into the open source community like the wordpress.org mm. sort of um code base or is it going to just be a separate and alternative option going forward so they're yeah. going to have sort of two big divide, branches yeah. yeah is it going to be the like react versus php divide
1: we will see. We shall see
2: mm. i see a lot of punny titles in our future <laughs>
1: we'll we'll library
2: because yeah. that never happens in tech <laughs> <laughs> <That's right.
3: laughs> we haven't got that many tricks up our sleeves
1: mm. another random one i wanted to suggest which it always seems to me that brings up the apple products um, not intentionally, it just seems to be that way, that the, the the iPad Pro, I saw an article today on Wired that was talking about it being the ultimate travel gadget. So we have one in the office for testing, and although it is awesome, purely because it's a very big screen with a high, high um, pixel density display, hmm. it's actually, uh, I would be scared to take it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> the battery runs quick, doesn't run too quick. I mean, it's a bit of a review, I think I'm saying, but it's... Feels like I'm going to break it because <laughs> it's so big. Um, and was some things. That, and remember everything and to slippery s- too. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's so thin that it feels it's like it's fragile. Do you know when you sort of first got your first? Even there's a, I would I would happily make my iPhone just that little bit thicker so the battery lasts that little bit longer. Mm. I'm More than happy to add an extra five mil to the back of that thing. Mm. And this is the case with this. And I was kind of thinking. I always. I'm, Again, the age thing. I'm thinking, man, everything was really big and then it went really small. Now Everything's going really big again and requiring more battery life. When are we going to get get to the point where batteries are actually working? Because if you took this on travels with you, do you then have to carry a pack with you? So
3: so Christmas is coming, and I think one of the hottest Christmas presents is the extra battery pack for people's phones. (gasps) It's taken a while to take off here, but I think that in Mm. Southeast Asia, you've seen it there for quite a few years now. And always I'd have friends visit from there and say, oh, how come you guys don't have these? here yeah. why is this not standard so if that trend is any sign of how capitalism has has risen to the occasion <laughs> to solve this problem yeah. it really hasn't been the phone manufacturers who've leapt to to that solution well,
1: have you seen even, mm-hmm. even the expensive manufacturers like burberry of now bringing a oh, f- bringing out a phone uh, a a person and handbags that a have
2: charger pack inside built it?
1: into them yeah, yeah. which is yeah, that's a changing I- time. Ikea's
2: that been
3: experimenting with chargeable zones. where, mm. And I think mm. a few people as well. But, mm. you know, yeah. they put their stamp on it. So mm. then do you think that uh, the Surface, the new Surface, is going to kill Apple's uh, iPad Pro?
1: I had a play on one. Yeah. I quite like it.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pragmatic. Wow, yep. It doesn't cost out. as much.
1: Yeah. It's a little bit mm. plasticky, like that. Sure. Yeah.
3: Mm. But the Which maybe th- that feels good for travel.
1: Yeah, I feel like I, I wouldn't be as protective of it. Oh,
3: look at you James, mm. I feel yeah. real growth coming on. This yeah, is great. Right. <laughs> I do like
1: the Nexus 5 and 6, like the the the, the mm. that I can't remember the resin is but it's actually biodegradable as well rather than being an, as a, the the plastic that they make the cases out of on the back. They're actually yeah. uh, like a, do they feel like feel feel like case it's got like a I'm just
3: I'm just yeah. feeling the case. Mm. It's great
1: radio. It's got that <laughs> yeah, it's got a um it's a, that resin is actually the way the plastic is is made, which mm-hmm. means it's biodegradable. It's not as shiny. It doesn't pick up oil. And mm. it's also like just so that makes not, a lot of sense. It makes things feel mm. like they're more expensive than they are, but at the same time, they're still flexible so they don't break. Unlike yeah. aluminium that, yeah, yeah, you always have to take out of your bag and then they ask you what you do with it. And I oh, mm. you have to keep going backwards and forth what, What's that cable in your pocket? I oh, <laughs> it up, oh, jail, <child>.
2: mm-hmm. <sighs> Totally. <laughs> yeah. All the shiny things that yeah. get fingerprints on them and need continual washing. I'm a little obsessed with them, alcoholing my screens and my, like the cases on my iPads and my devices, my Apple devices, to keep that beautiful sheen. I need to have you over, and you can just obsess <laughs> about that in my house. That's a be little great. OCD, right? <laughs> <laughs> I should be a little worried about that.
3: Just a little. Uh, look, it's. Um it's not that bad you know i think that a lot of people uh, sympathize mm. on triple r you're with bite into it we're talking computing and new technology with laura james and vanessa this evening and we've just had the pleasure of being joined in studio by chris burgess chris burgess uh, is probably well known to the local wordpress community amongst others and uh, the drupal community he's a passionate open source kind of guy and kind of platform agnostic also welcome to studio chris welcome
0: thank you for having me uh it's Pleasure
1: to be here. I do like the fact that I've just looked over and it says WordPress 10th anniversary t-shirt. That's. I wish yeah. I had one of those now.
3: It's pretty impressive. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's great.
1: It's been around for a while. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming in. Um, so we just, as we normally do, start talking off air when we should be talking on air uh, about interesting things. So I think we owe each other all a round of drinks at the, at the end of the uh, year, um, but we are just talking about sometimes we forget that uh, because we work in this industry we don't always go into too much detail about what we're actually talking about and just make too many assumptions so we were saying let's have a chat about what wordpress is what drupal is and go into a bit more detail just to sort of explain ourselves as as to what we're, what we're talking about so um let's kick off like what we're talking about content management systems right mm-hmm. so what uh and what is a content management system
0: well I think typically I mean the the roots of WordPress and probably a lot of other similar platforms is really you know managing blogs or managing websites and but it's really evolved into more of a general uh, more general content management systems so and then now they're really platforms of themselves where people are developing sort of full fully blown applications so i think things have kind of come a long way and especially as you mentioned uh, just before about the uh, calypso which is the um, the new javascript uh, you know face for wordpress.com yeah and also the uh, os 10 desktop app as well, um, but we're actually already seeing in the WordPress community quite a lot of people developing things uh, on JavaScript or other languages using the WordPress API, which the first phase of that is going to be rolled out into uh, the next version, which is 4.4, which is not too far away. So, yeah. I think you, you're, we're actually seeing a lot of... Um, you know, WordPress talking to a lot of other systems and it's, you know, uh, really the the sort of goal of WordPress is, um, you know, to democratise publishing and I think that that's what, uh, you know, it's achieving that goal. A lot of people can get up and running really quickly. Um, of course, low barrier of entry, there's a whole bunch of challenges with that, um, comes with that, with a lot of technology that sort of just anyone can spin up um, but from a professional point of view, um, it is, has you know, is, is quite actively being used for some pretty serious projects, some of the largest, um, yeah. you know, new sites in Australia and globally for that matter. So um, it's fun. It's a fun, fun platform and I think the open source side of it really drives innovation. So WordPress.com, as Laura mentioned, absolutely. Um, WordPress.com has their thing and they, they're sort of massive contributors to the project but there is also... Um, you know, a massive network of, of other developers and, and contributors that make it what it is. But it's exactly the same as uh, Joomla, Drupal, um, other open source platforms as well. Yeah. So you're seeing quite a lot of, um, I would say, uh, what's the word, sort of, com- you know, cross-pollination. And uh, We had a, one of the meetups, we had uh, an open source mixer, which we had um, at the WordPress meetup. We had a couple of people from the Drupal community and also from the Joomla community. And th- we've got a lot more in common, than we do different. So I think... Yeah. It's such
3: a fantastic idea, the, the mm. mixer to... Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. It's all
0: PHP yeah. as well, isn't it? So it? It is all PHP. It <laughs> well, it was. But I think you find that most of the WordPress developers... Um, we had uh, the developer meetup last week. Um, one of the talks was on um, uh, a developer that uses uh, AngularJS for all these client projects, mm. and they use WordPress as a back end. So I think we're kind of, you know, seeing a, a sort of a shift, and especially yeah. for theme developers, yeah.
1: Do you think it's almost like the next generation? So... I'm going to with the content management things, essentially from back when, I mean, both. I bet you and I were both making websites uh, ad hoc stat uh, using static code Absolutely. to make things. And I think
3: probably four of us all. Four of us, yeah. 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 Yes,
1: yeah. So I remember, mm. uh, you know... Um, it, that's how it's changed. You had to, to know code. You had to know how to pull things together and how to test and check. And you wouldn't you – but how often did you not check another browser because you, you <laughs> used whatever? And then content management system came along to make it, our lives a little bit easier and not have to keep repeating the same thing yes. about the code. Then it went into now in back end so that people could install it themselves and not need to know code at all. And now it's – do you think – I think this is the next generation of – Content management systems that are taking it to a whole another level. Where this is when things like the Chromebook come yes. in really handy because it's nothing actually local at all, but it's a portal to mm, uh, connect mm. to that information. Absolutely. I mean, I've got a
0: little uh, Chrome box, which is a little Asus uh, thing, just boots up Chrome instantly. Um, yeah, I'm sort of a big fan of the browser, anything in the browser, and you know from my my sort of background is um sort of sysadmin and system integration and I've always mm. sort of favored sort of the web and yeah things things have definitely changed and uh, I think it's an exciting
1: time to sort of be yeah. you know geeking out in yeah have you noticed some of the pl- sorry my interruption
2: yeah go
3: for
1: it have you noticed some of the platforms coming because you all use a lot of uh, online and browser-based uh, applications these days. So I've noticed that some of the ones that are sort of a browser w- or a window style, even things like Slack. Mm. That the content in it is actually loading in, just like it's a browser, and you actually just, mm. you're just looking mm-hmm. through. I think um, it's it, at the same time. And then when it goes down, you're in trouble because you can't oh. do it. Like the other day when Slack yep. went down, yeah,
3: yep. 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 yeah, we all died. I <laughs> came in <laughs> everyone was
0: playing ping pong <laughs>
2: <laughs> 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 and drinking
0: coffee. Well, we are more reliant on on sort of, you know, internet sort of infrastructure, and I think that, you know, that sort of, you know, brings its own sort of set of issues, things we have to solve, but Mm -hmm. that's where the fun is.
2: There's this whole sort of... um Philosophy of development of offline first application development that I think hopefully people like the Slack guys are going to start going. Okay, this is actually really important that we don't take away data that you've already had. You know, like you can you may not get updates, you may be offline, you may have internet, you know outed or something, but but you should never be taking away data that you've already had. So Correct. if I, if I've come into the app and I've seen something, you shouldn't be like oh and yoink, it's all gone. <laughs> um, so hopefully that will be that will be a big a big sort of feature for people's application planning sort of going forwards.
1: Absolutely. Has anyone had a look at the new WordPress yet and see what if that is true? There are fit system that everything that was there before is still there?
2: Into the, the admin and the JavaScript? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm wondering
1: it, if they've...
2: I haven't had a play. I literally discovered it sort of half an hour ago. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think so. It's like two days old. It's, um, it's fast. It's faster in, yeah. in areas. Um, I think that it's, you know, I think that the community is, is going to, kind of dictate kind of what, what happens in terms of sort of what gets adopted. But um, I think that the, the the WordPress API is probably, you know, it's what has enabled, um, you know, this to to sort of happen and, and it's what's going to drive a lot of um, innovation. So I think where, you know, WordPress is, is very popular and, um, you know, some people love it, some people hate it, uh, but absolutely I think you're going to start to see more people doing some interesting things with it, which you'll, I think, um, you know, again, you know, start to see some, you know, some innovation happening. I mean, mm-hmm. we already kind of see it in the WordPress community, but outside mm-hmm. of that, you know, I get a lot of, uh, you know, people kind of say, you know, but especially the custom sort of app developers, um, I think they're going to start to, sort of take another look at WordPress now, you can start to actually talk to it
1: yeah. um, in a good way, which you have been able to for a while, but natively. Yeah. Mm.
3: Um, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no.
1: I was going to say, so, I mean, we've been talking about the, the WordPress and the content manager systems, which mm. leads us on to Drupal, which is another area of your expertise. Um,
0: uh, well, absolutely. I mean, I think I, I started first... Um, Anything that was a web app that I could build sites with, I looked at um, years ago and I, I, now I'm a lot more involved in the WordPress community, but I still do go along to the WordPress um, meetups and they're incredibly passionate, um, you know, a bunch of bright, uh, you know, intelligent developers who, uh, you know, they have hack days and conferences and all sorts of things. So, I think that... Uh, you know I find that a lot of the topics they 're not really you know related to they might be talking about Drupal but they 're talking about performance or security or um, you know secure development practice all those sorts of things that really are, you know not you know platform specific so um, I would encourage anyone to you know go along to some of the meetups and check them out and I think you 'll find that they 're incredibly welcoming uh, supportive at any level whether you 're a user or a developer um, and yeah so but it, I think you know a lot of the, we share a lot of the same t- types of components. I think what you're seeing is a lot of the, the really popular, and that's the same as the frameworks or any, any system. They're borrowing from bits of one another. If someone's mm-hmm. doing something really well, um, why reinvent the wheel? So yeah, sort of
1: relating it to, to generalize that they, there's a reason why a lot of the phones look the same these days, and there's also that sort of relate doesn't relate just to technology hardware. It's also to software as well. Correct. It's a yeah, lot absolutely. Of I'm going to use your word "pollination" there of, of, yeah. of ideas. It's kind of making everything. People are saying it's becoming the same, but at the same time, I'm saying it's becoming a little bit more universal and unified to be mm. able to cross from one to another to which best fits your Co- need. Correct. Some you know things sort of
0: take on uh, conventions, and um, I'm a sort of believer in trying to you know shake those sorts of things up. But mm. sometimes, if something works, and especially a lot of the open source library, I mean, Drupal, WordPress, Joomla, and a whole bunch of others, they're all built on. Um, you know, other successful open source projects. Yeah. So I think that's all, always forgotten. And there's an article, um, there's a good article which pretty much sort of dissects what all the success, all the open source libraries um, are that WordPress actually uses. And there's a whole lot of, you know, it's a pretty yeah. big stack that has, has sort of been, it's been built upon. So yeah, If you tweet us, mm. that will share it. Yeah,
3: yeah absolutely. I'll do that, yeah. So, Chris, you work with a, you're the co-founder of a company called Clickify and, uh, you do a lot of consulting on web mm-hmm. development sort of things. Yes. That puts you in a unique position, uh, quite different from my experience to look at what the market is asking for at the moment mm. and, um, also to have a look at what systems people are playing with and what problems they're coming to you with. Sure. Could you tell us a little bit about your insights in, into that and, and, and how you might have seen that change?
0: Absolutely. Well, uh, we, are, we're a digital agency based in Melbourne and we specialise in all aspects of digital marketing. So, that's your SEO and SEM, but also UX, um, design and web development. So, we try and sort of bring teams together. I think that's one of the things that I've, um, you know, seen trying and sort of break down those silos. So, typically, you might have an IT team that, you know, they maintain systems and you might have a marketing team where they've got some sites or campaign sites. We try and get... Get them to sort of talk to one another um, and bring kind of that approach. Because my background is more kind of tech and and sysadmin, but my passions um, have always been, I suppose, um, more sort of like marketing technology, security. that kind of thing and search technology in particular and where that overlaps because it is quite a big overlap there. Um, So we're finding that uh, there's a lot of people that are doing it themselves. I think that's a a big um, trend. So it's very easy for someone to just jump online and spin up a website. But making that actually work for their business is another... Whole game. So, uh, we're finding that there's quite a big demand for people that want to learn more. So, they're willing to put the time in, they're willing to do it themselves, but they just need to be put in the right direction. So, no longer can you just build a website and, you know, it it get found and it working, you know, within. So, (laughs) it used to kind of be that way where if you're online and, um, you know, you could do a lot wrong but you could still kind of succeed, whereas now the bar's being constantly raised. Yeah. So so I think um, our... Probably if I was to sort of summarise it is to try and get people to take... Um, you know their websites or their web properties um, seriously and professionally. And just because something is open source or free or just because someone can build something really quickly doesn't mean that they shouldn't take it seriously and get professionals involved who can help. So,
3: And I yeah. think the professionals you've probably seen will really thank them for that approach too because the biggest complaint I see in a team that's as diverse uh in, in skills base is that uh, someone hasn't been brought in early enough in the piece to be as effective as they can be.
0: Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And planning is a, a huge thing. I mean, everyone sort of says, you know, we we want a website, so we forget that uh, two thirds of Australian businesses don't actually have a website. Um, and whoa, I did not know that. Yeah. No. So there's a huge opportunity there. And like a lot of them might be very very small, but there's an opportunity for them to, um, you know, to gain some visibility, for them to grow. And it's not always about, um, you know, getting top rankings or getting more sales or convergence. It's also about streamlining the operation. So we like to look at things as not just how can we, you know, get more sales through your e-commerce site, but also how can we streamline your business? How can we talk to your back-end systems? And that's where I think the integration sort of stuff comes in. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good fun. Every project's different. and um, But, yeah, I mean, I think it's like any any sort of project management good planning uh good scoping uh you know training and also uh f- follow up for that as well so making sure that we've got you know uh, you've got good people that are really interested in what we're doing and you can kind of see it some businesses they have people that just love to be there and love doing what they're doing and they're always going to go that bit further than the
1: people that are kind of just yeah it's there to job and yeah it
2: in. Definitely.
1: It's interesting to find out with some businesses as well. You, know, you you get online, you use a existing online platform where you pay your twenty dollars a month, and mm-hmm. away you go. But that, that's when it comes to that point where it's the out of the box system is no longer fit suited to your requirements and you want to change it and that's when people like us come in where exactly. you now don't know how to do it yourself or you don't know how you need some advice on what to do and it's that's slowly changing and just because you, like you say, two thirds of Australian businesses don't have a website, sometimes it's not about actually generating revenue, it's just about being able to give someone that reference to to refer to when they after had that conversation with you and then taking it from there to build the relationship with people and find you. Correct. Because um, I was I was looking today for uh, a, I know it's there. Like in the city centre, a Mac store that sells uh, a cable that I needed, mm-hmm. and I couldn't find them. I was using Google Maps to find them, and they weren't because they they didn't have a a pin on. Google Maps. Yeah, I couldn't find this. Like, yeah, that wow, that, that, that's, that's a- been there for ten years. So I just want to find the phone number. <laughs> but, but I think, the thing is, it's incredibly
0: um, daunting for you know a small business owner, even even one that's relatively you know that's tech savvy, to be across everything they kind of have to be across now. Yeah. So mm. I think that's where. Um, you know, like groups like the meetups or user groups, I mean, they're really good to try and sort of support people that, you know, want to do it themselves that just mm. need to be had that extra sort of, you know, point yeah.
1: in the right direction. It's the beauty of open source community as well mm. that people who are prepared to help each other. It's not competitive as, as as some other areas. It's literally a case of I've solved that problem before and this is how I solved it and then mm. help someone else and away it goes. And, we, and this open source um, sort of applications and systems get better because everyone's sharing their knowledge
0: absolutely i had a uh, comment from um at the seo meetup we meet once a month and we talk about search technology and um it's it's usually really technical we have an hour beforehand which is a beginner session from five to six which is um really the opportunity for people to ask questions and we do that sort of to sort of try and keep the main topic sort of focused but i had somebody ask me so what what do you get out of this and i sort of said oh you know you get to learn and you know, I get sort of challenged and sort of pushes me. But and they said no, but seriously, you know what what's in it for you, kind of thing. But I think the thing is, if you if you go to a few of them and, and you sort of realize that what you get out of it, you know, it's like a lot of things, what's what you put in. But I mean, I sort of uh, walk away from those things. It's the same as any sort of community, whether it be online or um, you know, if you're sort of challenged, you know, teaching is a, a pretty good way, or, or you know, getting up and speaking about something is a really good way of being pushed and you have to know the topic pretty well and people will always ask you questions. That They'll always be the, you know, the boffin in the crowd who'll want to try and, you know, stump you. So um, so it's good because you go away wanting to learn more and, um, you know, it helps, you know, it keeps me getting up in the morning and give me you know, a buzz in what I'm doing. So I think that's sort of what I, uh, you know, what I get... A lot more out of it than what I put in. I mean, I just sort of help post some notices and I help introduce speakers. So, mm. uh, not necessarily, you know, huge, it's similar to what um, you guys are doing here. It's the same sort of thing. You know, you yeah. get to meet interesting people and um, plus, just if you can save
2: someone like that deeply frustrating four hours that you stuffed around trying to work out a thing, and mm. someone else doesn't have to do that, that's really satisfying.
1: Hugely satisfying. Absolutely. Mm. It's amazing how so, some of the guys in, uh, that I work with will have a problem and then they'll. Go into a forum and ask a question, and mm. someone anywhere around the world will, sort of quite often, is, this is it. Here's a link to this that tells you how to do it, and, and no one else. And they for they a their moment so to just,
3: shine. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Stack Overflow, baby. Uh, yeah. yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot better than expert sex change.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> just a little joke for
3: people out there who don't know about the expert exchange that's, uh, that's happening. Uh, Chris, I love that we've ended up in a continuous learning kind of place in our discussion. That's mm. fantastic. Uh, if people want to know more about what you're doing, uh, where is your blog that they can check out?
0: Uh, my personal blog is chrisburgess.com.au. Um, I tend to, I've got some local events and things listed, I sort of don't update it as well much as I often as I should, um, but definitely jump on meetup.com, um, if you're interested in WordPress, there's WordPress, Drupal, if you're interested in search, there's the SEO Meetup, there's heaps of things happening in Melbourne, uh, you know, you could go to something every night of the week if you wanted to. You certainly mm-hmm.
3: could, and uh, I think that's what we might be doing. Thanks for coming in. And, Thank uh, you for having me. It's a pleasure. You're with Biden Into discussing computers and new technology. And Laura, you should probably intro this next little bit that we're doing.
2: Well, um, a couple of weekends ago, I was up in Sydney for Web Directions, um, hanging out at Luna Park, which was totally wicked. I don't know if you guys have been up there, but like the we got to do some rides and stuff and hang out and enjoy the beautiful coastline around Sydney. Um, and I did a bunch of chats with people, and one of them was Tom Loosemore, who's um, previously from gov.uk, and has done an amazing amount of work around digital services this is laura summers from bite into it speaking to tom Lusmore from gov.uk
4: i've actually left now as, oh. of, as of two weeks ago yes i'm now oh. an ex-civil servant
2: right so. how exciting well erstwhile from gov.uk <laughs> but has done some amazing work on that project Everybody who's familiar with government digital services looks at gov.uk as the standout in the field, I think. Now I can ask you, since you've just left, what yeah. do you think is your favorite or most successful part of that job?
4: I think the big win is not actually any of the services we've helped deliver, be that gov.uk or any more of the dozens of services like getting power of attorney or booking a prison visit or paying your taxes or getting your benefits more efficiently. The thing I think that's going to make a difference in the long term is the fact that government now knows there's a better way of developing those kind of services
1: Mm.
4: than it ever knew existed before. Notably, that means getting the right skilled, small group of multidisciplinary skills together in the same room, starting really small, Mm. uh, learning what users actually need, Mm. and then iterating and iterating and iterating and iterating. And that sort of modern, digital, multidisciplinary, starting-with-user-needs approach, uh, we've pretty successfully in the UK, I think, adopted, in a central government at least. Quite immature still in some places, clunky in others, but once people have got a taste for that and the results of that, I don't think there's any going back.
2: I certainly think that users' expectations of sites in general are just maturing and maturing. Their expectations are high. Their experience performance is not so much. It's good if it's fast, but just that it's shit if it's slow. You know, like users' expectations simply grow and get bigger and grittier with every year that passes. And certainly if digital services from the government can at least meet those expectations or not su- <laughs> not disappoint them too poorly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a huge win. I remember... Doing an online oh I probably should, don't know if I should say this but I remember doing an online voting process for an American government website and having to go through about three different sub channels just to work out how I had to register to get a voting form sent to me in the mail and it was really ridiculous and it was one of those terrible a million clicks to get to one simple page and no decent search. Do you find that IA and content hierarchy is a lot of the work? Like, is it a lot about paring back and ripping out unnecessary things? Or, like, how do you start? How do you even tackle this big job?
4: I mean, the the first part is to create the space for the right team to gather Mm. with the the understanding that you start with the problem, not the solution. Mm. And uh, the problem is actually understanding what users really need and in government, if you can convince uh, senior civil servants or ministers that uh, their policy objectives, their policy intent can be met far more simply, um, far more elegantly and with far lower risk than a far lower cost, than they'd previously imagined was possible, mm. then you find a whole load of blockers that maybe added some of the complexity that you talked about earlier. Some of that mm. complexity was not incompetence, a lot was, but not all of it would have been. A lot of it would have been smart people thinking, oh, we need to cover this risk off, and we need to cover that risk off, and what if mm. this, and what if that, and what if a user mis- misunderstands this situation, blah, blah, Absolutely. blah, blah, blah. Basically overthinking mm. and, and overanalyzing how users will really respond to a problem or an opportunity.
2: And to be fair, that's not government-specific. I've seen so many websites where the navigation just has like one band-aid pasted onto to it be, after the other.
4: To be honest, I don't think navigation... I mean, we don't split out navigation and IA and, and user mm. experience. It, the, oh, the whole yes. the whole point is is mm. to do the hard work to make it simple for users, mm. to meet their needs, even if they don't fully appreciate what their needs actually are. Mm. And they certainly won't tell you what their needs are if you ask them. The crux for me is how do you do the hard work to make the service simple enough so that the policy intent can be met? We don't even spit out content and service and transaction and IEA. It's not really helpful. Mm. The real challenge often is to go back and challenge the interpretation of policy. That's often the challenge, to really make things as simple as they should be. For example, Mm. you'll find services where you know a user is required to submit some proof uh, of eligibility for something Mm -hmm. a a driving license or a a proof of a benefit Mm -hmm. and every single claimant in every single circumstance has to submit proof sometimes through the post Uh, uh, and and suddenly you're off channel you've got failure demand you've got Mm -hmm. you've got delay you've got all sorts of bad outcomes almost guaranteed in that moment absolutely if you can go back and say hang on a minute what risk are we actually managing By doing that validation, doing that verification in that way, Mm -hmm. can we manage that risk in a different way? Maybe by segmenting the kind of risk profile of the people coming through the process, doing spot checks, using digital channels to check things like whether they've got a driving license, just through eligibility while managing the data securely. Mm
1: -hmm.
4: Those are the ways you get real breakthroughs in terms of simplicity and and elegance. If you can make the service real-time, you can design it with empathy, uh, you can save much more money in reducing the failure demand of services failing. Yes. That's far greater benefit in monetary terms and in empathy terms, I'd argue, than even the fact that if you take this iterative, agile, multidisciplinary approach and you bring the skills in-house more, you're going to be able to deliver your services order of magnitude cheaper than the traditional outsourcing system integrator, mm-hmm. IT route, the government. Mm slightly got hooked on.
2: Yes well I mean you mentioned before discovering what the problem is before you try and drive the solution and you know I've done a couple of government tenders and I know that they're very solution driven it's like can you agency guarantee to provide mm. this result with this team with this amount of time and this budget and it's very much we don't even ask for your opinion is this the right solution mm-hmm. are these the correct tools is the right approach they just want to well, know this, this if is, you can deliver. I mean
4: this is really comes down to the hubris of civil service mm. the root of the problem is that civil civil servants have always been validated amongst each other by how smart they can appear to their peers.
2: Mm. Oh, that's nothing like developers. <laughs> no, well,
4: it's... <laughs> and the truth is the civil servants uh, like to pretend they understand how people will respond to a particular set of incentives mm. and like to think they can design a solution in an office somewhere in the middle of, say, in the UK, Whitehall or Canberra here. Mm-hmm. And the truth is they can't. Because mm. people do not respond rationally in the way the economics that that civil servants are taught tells them they should Mm. and and to get civil servants into a situation where they understand design thinking understand that most of government most of the time is service design Mm. and if you're in the business of doing service design you have to stay so humble about how users are really going to respond to the service you put in front of them but having slacked off civil servants there, I found that, uh, and, and certainly the experience of the government digital service in the UK is, if you get those kinds of really small civil servants in front of real users, using mm. using early versions of alphas or, or betas of, mm. or even wireframes of prototypes, and they see they can see for themselves how people respond in the real world to mm. the service presented to them, they get hooked on that feedback from real users and suddenly you can see quite quickly a change in culture and a recognition that you need to start with understanding the problem Mm. before you start defining a solution.
2: (laughs) Sort of a shoe drop moment.
4: Definitely and you know some quite senior but one of the reasons that Lisa Reichelt, who's come back, she head a user research at the UK Government Digital Service. She's Australian. She's come back to the Digital Transformation Office here in here in Australia to mm-hmm. to lead uh, uh, lead design here, service design here, and she was a really strong advocate in London of us building a lab in our offices in London. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just because it was actually... We were doing so much user research that a user research lab was the right economic answer, but also because it made it much easier to bring civil servants in and watch the user research as it was happening mm. and feel it and see, see that moment, that penny-drop moment of, oh, my God, I've been thinking I know what the answer is. and Actually, I don't understand how humans relate to this stuff.
2: <laughs> as a designer, I knew there's nothing more humbling than seeing your prototype or your wireframe... Mm in front of a real user and seeing them completely misunderstand it or seeing them take a user path that you didn't at all design for, or mm. didn't all plan for?
4: I mean, I think I have sympathy with civil servants. You know, if you had been schooled in a world whereby due to some, frankly, inappropriate use of software development methodologies and techniques and mm. some suppliers who, frankly, should have known better, mm. they've been used to having to design everything up front mm-hmm. and been used to only doing software releases once every six months. Now, if you're in that mm-hmm. world rather than the world that everyone should be in, which is, you know, 10 software releases a day, fine, no problem. You know, yeah, that's what we do yeah. on Gov.uk, it's not a problem. Yeah. It shouldn't be a problem anywhere else. If it is a problem, then you are incentivized to think, oh my God, I've got to design everything up front. I'll never get a chance to change it if I get it wrong. I've got to think for every scenario, blah, blah, blah. You end up with bad outcomes due to people not allowing themselves the space to iterate.
2: I heard a great metaphor for this, which is like the rocket to the moon scenario versus driving the car scenario and like with the rocket to the moon like the designers have to plan for every single thing that could possibly go wrong. You get one shot at it and then mm. bam off you go. And if you've made a mistake you don't find out until you know Yet. like two years and <laughs> twenty thousand miles away. Whereas with the car you're making lots of little iterative design choices.
4: I, I don't think that's the so, I I like the analogy in some ways mm. I don't in others. Okay. Because the truth about the moon I've heard it before the, mm. the, the moon analogy is you can do the maths around the physics to some degree of certainty. Yeah, with that's people fair. and incentives and service design, you mm. never can.
2: You oh. never
4: can understand how people are really going to be really going to experience the service uh, mm. as you as you design it all up front uh, and present it. You
2: mean humans aren't like the laws of physics? Funnily enough, uh,
4: <laughs> even the laws even the so-called laws of economics.
2: Yes, all well, this is fair enough.
4: <laughs> so you do often find in the UK at least you find some some bits of government have a user insight function or customer research function, although they're not customers or citizens. In my experience, has often based on asking people what they want or asking people what they think before you've done anything, before you've done this policy development or, or designing everything up front. And, you know, that's useful in some cases. It might uh, reveal that your understanding of the problem was, was really flawed. But depending on how you ask people the question, you'll get whatever answer you want because people mm-hmm. watching what people do is what matters it's the <laughs> you know, no one ever asked for. A, if you ask people what they wanted they wanted a faster horse rather than a car it's that yeah. kind of thing and it's only by watching how people use the services that you're developing mm-hmm. and watching them properly preferably live mm-hmm. using it for real
1: mm-hmm.
4: that you're going to understand uh, how they're going to relate to your service and whether it's going to work as a policy outcome or not
2: yeah I've heard that people's anticipation of their behavior, their altruistic behavior, is always much more generous than their actual behavior in real life. So, like, customer surveys and stuff are often skewed if you're asking any kind of, um, you know, if you saw a man on the street, would you give him a dollar, that sort of question.
4: What everyone tries to do is impress the person interviewing them.
2: Exactly. That's what they're trying to we do. We want to be liked. Uh, that,
4: That's human nature. You want to be liked. You want to, yeah. you want to not be embarrassed. That's the first emotion so people will pretend they understand things when they don't. Yes. And they'll think they understand things because they want to convince themselves they understand things. Mm. So you often have to go back with people and say, okay, what what outcome was that? What actually happened when you used the service? Yeah. Did you actually do the right thing as yeah. far as the policy is concerned? Not. Yeah, I know what what I'm supposed to do. I've worked it all out. Thank you very much. Well, what are you going to do now is a question you should always ask.
2: Oh, that's good. What would you
4: actually do now?
2: What would be your next step?
4: Yeah. Yeah, that's And often you'll find that people think they understand things but don't, which Mm -hmm. is almost the worst outcome of all.
2: Yeah, well, that's the biggest opportunity for disappointment, right? Completely.
4: And, and waste <laughs> and failure and cost and all the other things. Yeah. yeah.
2: Just to wrap up, sure. what would you say is next, since um, gov.uk is now a full stop for you? Have you got a new project in mind, or well, should I, I, should I'm I actually, not be asking? No, no,
4: no. I'm, <laughs> I'm working for the world's largest cooperative cooperative group in the UK, mm-hmm. as the digital services director, along with several other founders of uh, the government digital service in the UK. Mm-hmm. We've sort of moved on mass as a leadership team there.
1: Oh,
4: cool. Uh, and the reason for that is we believe... That the underlying cooperative nature of an organization that's hundreds of years old, the cooperative group, based mm-hmm. around cooperation, those values can be applied on the internet in ways that are really quite exciting um, wow. around digital platforms and, and what you could do around aggregating cooperatively supply and demand uh, without having huge rent seeking, VC funded mega dollar corpse in the middle extracting rent.
2: How interesting. That is a big problem of digital design of our day, isn't it? How do we own the platform? How does everybody own it? Completely,
4: thing? completely. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have a go uh, at seeing if we can do that oh. out of the UK.
2: How so. exciting. Look forward to seeing how that goes. Cool. Thank you. Thank you for your time, Tom. <laughs>
4: Pleasure. Enjoyed it.
2: And we're back in studio. Laura, tell us, how was that experience in person? Oh, um, I was totally starstruck. I actually spent a lot of my time at Web Directions going, oh, my God. Keep girl geeking out. (laughs) Um, Tom Lewis has done such amazing work um, for digital digital design and like service design for for government. And um, it's such a hard sector, I'm sure, as you guys know. And it's so hard to like cut through the bureaucracy and really like um, encourage the stakeholders to come along with you on this journey of change. And I think he's just got such an amazing persona. Like he could totally be a a guru in another era, I reckon. Like he's just got that kind of calm, trust me, we're doing this, we're going to do it right. And You know, yeah. like you can just see how, how these um, civil servants have been like, oh, okay, I'm going to put my ego aside for the moment and actually like have a, a real conversation with you. It was great to hear
3: um, he had such a, a patience about him, but also this sense of urgency and what could be achieved if he could get people to move in the right directions and just think a little bit more flexibly. And that was a really a, a lovely combination of qualities to, to hear.
1: Yeah, onboarding. Uh, in organisations, people within an organisation is always critical and very difficult as well. And getting everyone to realise that this is the right approach, and you need to let go of your part of your piece and and join the join the collective to be able to get produce something. I've referred to the gov. dot dot co. uk website constantly as in terms of a way of being the ultimate simplistic approach to informa- showing information mm. and trying the you know the slowly doing it in Australia as well. But it, it mm. would have been a I would love to have been a fly on the wall to see how he managed to get that across the line. I mean, it was someone else, I can't remember um, the lady's name that wrote the letter saying this is rubbish, the website, like it's on the Gov website and why they made the change as well.
2: Oh, yes. Um, um,
1: you know, its it's been a couple of years now. Um,
2: yes. So um, I'm going to
1: have to look it up. Well, um, he who
2: should not be named. <laughs> yeah,
1: um, It was, uh, and it was, that was... Just trying for him to try and tell everyone this is how we're going to do it, and they're so used to seeing photos and PDFs and all 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 over the place in, in, in like to do it this way. Um, my hat goes off to him to be able to produce this. It was fantastic.
3: Wow! Thank you to Tom Lusmore from Web Directions.
1: So on the back of the uh, Web Directions, like that was a month ago um, today, there's another event that's coming up. Uh, t- in uh, next year called Respond. Do you want to uh, give us a little bit of an insight into that one? I'm quite interested to see this. I was quite excited to see uh, some of the names on there as well.
2: Mm, absolutely. Well, um, Web Directions is actually rebranding a little bit, so I think they're calling as a as a overall organization they're just calling themselves Directions and mm-hmm. um, they're breaking their conferences out a little bit and they're doing more of them and Respond is the first one next year in April I think and um, yeah, they're they're focusing obviously on responsive development and design issues and they're bringing some pretty amazing speakers out like Ethan Marcotte who's literally like the godfather of responsive development <laughs> he's you know like he came him. up
1: with a bright idea that we all should have thought of ages ago
2: yeah well I <laughs> mean you know, not only that but like he, he argued for it passionately and patiently, as you said with Tom before, like he he was very. Um, I think you know he was prepared to have a lot of people sort of naysaying him for a while, and that really was the case mm. for a while. Like there was a lot of people pushing back against this idea, but now it's kind of this accepted norm that responsive is the way you go.
1: Yeah, your, your site doesn't work properly if it isn't responsive. Exactly, yeah. and
2: you know, like the the Google mobile checker thing, you know, like that's happening now, and people are getting penalized in search results if they're not responsive. So you know, it's it's now it's now like the norm. It's the new normal. But certainly back, I think it was 2011 that he published that article about responsive design that was the thing that kicked it all off. And um, there's also Sarah Sudden, who is an SVG and animation lady, and she's amazing. I've heard her speak before here at um, CSS Conf here in Melbourne. And um, Karen McGrain, who's also um, a very well-known lady on UX and content strategy mm-hmm. um, and mobile first. And, yeah, I think that's going to be a pretty amazing set of talks and um, workshops happening.
1: So when is, when is it?
2: Oh, that is Sydney, April sixth and seventh, and Melbourne, April eleventh and twelfth next year.
1: Well, I'll have to add that to my calendar. I
3: think that's yeah. fantastic because we've we've um, gotten so organically to our events section of the show. Mm. So something else that cropped up in events is the random hacks of kindness information oh, night. To say it. <laughs> oh, well, that's all right. You can go on to it. What would you like no, to say? No, no, I just
1: like the, I like the name of it. I think oh, it's,
3: it's very clever, yes, isn't it? Clever. Uh, so. Thursday, tomorrow night from 6.30 to 8pm at Aconex, um, ahead of their summer hackathon, which is running December 5th and 6th in Melbourne. They're having an info night so that people can prepare and figure out, you know, if this hackathon is going to be for them. So if you're thinking of going along or you just want to find out who random hacks of kindness are, this is a really great opportunity tomorrow night to find out who they are, what they do, and how we can all do our little bit to hack for humanity. They'll also be introducing all of their partners, the change makers, who are offering up projects for you to hack and for you to contribute to so hopefully they'll give their little pitch you'll feel very inspired and they'll explain how the community needs a really wide variety of skill sets from coding to design to uh ba work marketing social media mm-hmm. the events only for an hour and then there's just socializing and a chance to really um get into some issues with the people there network a bit so i think that's a great opportunity check it out we'll uh, we'll tweet out the link
2: Totally. Um, another event that's also happening very soon is actually Friday and Saturday this week is Drupal Camp Melbourne. And um, they've got two days of sessions, Friday and Saturday. Um, and it's a very cheap um, ticket. It's 10 bucks each day, which I think is pretty amazing, really, yeah. for any kind I, of tech I event. I thought
1: that was a mistake that yeah. I was through my glasses properly. When I saw um, that.
2: That, guys, that includes lunch. That might be Melbourne's what? cheapest
3: lunch for those two days. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Totally, um, and I think it's um, as as we were saying before, the Drupal community is very opening and very inclusive. So it is open to people of all levels and skill sets, and it's it's a great way to go and get a get a stuck into Drupal and do some learning and hang out with like minded developers or wanna be developers, as the case may be. Um, but yeah, no, the Drupal community is really lovely, and one thing I will say is that they just do a really great job of really including and helping people sort of feel welcome to to hack and play and get stuck into their platform
3: yeah they absolutely do and we'd love to um have more chats of them coming up in next year Mm. so this is the second last bite for this year we do thank you for joining us on this uh this journey that it's been one more show next week with your fearless host warren davies so do stay tuned for that one we'd love to thank our guests chris burgess and tom loosemore for uh being with us this evening virtually or otherwise uh thanks laura and james it's been it's been great fun no, thank you are we gonna gate crash thing? next week yeah <laughs> a party show yeah, yeah. yeah we might have to take a leaf from, the year um, that was yeah. Yeah, a leaf from <laughs> hedley's book all right have a good evening everybody and uh good night